And this is what Yeshua does. He takes the, 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 the ordinances, it says, and he takes the, the, it says the, the, the debt, the certificate of debt, and, and, the, and all the things that stand against us, and he, he takes it onto the tree with him, and he makes a mockery. A mockery. A spectacle of the rulers and powers and principalities that are using this Demons that say, ha ha, you, you screwed up, you screwed up, you screwed up. He makes a mockery of it, brings, it up, brings himself onto the cross, sets us free, and, and the demons have no idea what to do with it. Powers and principalities have no idea what to do with it because the one who is the word, the word within the word, the word that wrote the word, the word that is the word, the word that was the word, the was and is and is to come the word in the beginning and the end word uses the word to not to condemn but to set us free there is a very famous and moderately misunderstood story in the book of Yohanan John with the adulterous woman and all these people who took the adulterous woman to Yeshua and they were testing him and they wanted to see what he would do with this and he said this woman was caught in adultery what do you say Mr. Messiah teacher guy what do you got to say about it and it's very misunderstood because when he said like he who's without sin cast the first stone it's very often thought that he's just just showing grace and he's saying generically hey if you're a sinner too you're not allowed to cast judgment and that's normally how it's translated. But if you understand the word, the Torah, who is the word, who was the word, who will always will be the word, who is one with his word, who wrote the word, who knows the word, who sets us free by the word. And if you know what is written, it's, it, you see greater revelation in what it is. The people brought the, 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 the adulterous woman and said, what happens? And then he said, his first thing he said, what did he say? I don't even remember what he said. Somebody help me. He said he was without sin cast the first stone. And it's not just like, hey, if you are a sinner, you can't say anything. So he was without sin cast the first stone. First of all, you go back into Torah when an adulteress is caught. It's a death penalty. Okay? But it's not just her. Because the biblical definition of adultery is a married man and a married woman. So when he says he who is without sin cast the first stone, everybody's like, uh-oh. It ain't just her. It explicitly says both deserve the punishment. Number one, uses knows the word, use the word to set free. Number two, who is without sin casts the first stone. Let's go back to the word. Who casts the first stone? According to Torah, it's not just an expression. It says explicitly in this Torah portion that if there's going to be a capital punishment, you know who cast the first stone? The witnesses. The witness casts the first stone is what it says. So essentially saying, who really saw this? Because, and it's an amazing thing, and this is God's just system. This is why I love this Torah portion, Shoftim, because it is such a just system, and the things that he put together are quite amazing. The witness is the one who cast the stone. Like, what would happen if that was the way it was in this day? Like, if we were the one that had to pull the switch 
or, you know, pull the trigger or the, the rod that let the guy go hanging or if we were the one, the witness, we are the one who goes to court and says this happened and I testify that this happened, you have to be the one to execute the judgment first. And it's such an amazing thing that God put together because God knows that if you do that and you're not being true, you're a murderer. You're next. So if he who cast the first, he who's without sin, this is like, where's the other person? Hello? Cast the first stone. Who is the real witness to this? Because you are the one, according to the law, according to Torah, have to throw the first stone. And by the way, if you do and you're lying, you're a murderer. So then they all go, okay, I guess you do know the law. That's a word pretty good. Maybe you are the word in flesh after all. Number three, after they were all gone, he said to the woman, where are your accusers? They said, they're all gone, Lord. And he said, then I don't accuse you. I don't condemn you either. Why did he say that? If she was an adulteress, why did he say that? Because according to this Torah portion, capital punishment and really any matter has to be established with two or three witnesses. According to Torah, according to this Torah portion, there was no other person. So Yeshua, according to Torah, could not condemn her in that type of condemnation and a judgment that would bring, you know, the the justice system upon her. There was only one. It needs to be two or three. So he says, neither do I condemn you. And then when they were all alone, he uses it to bring the word that brings life. Go and sin no more. And I believe when he said go and sin no more, he wasn't just giving her a suggestion because when the word, who is the word, who was the word, who will always be the word, who wrote the word, who is in the word, who is the Aleph Tav in the word, says go and sin no more, that ain't a suggestion. That's deliverance. That's a commandment. When Yeshua says go and sin no more, it means that from that time on, that sin has been eradicated because he made a mockery of the rulers and authorities who are pointing fingers, who is using this to say you're guilty. He made a mockery of it. And they don't even know how to answer it. The demons who even knew the word enough when he was in the desert, Yeshua, and they were saying, oh, you know, you, you know, he was, you know, they were like accusing him. You know, they, they, are, they don't even know what to do with it. He makes such a spectacle of rulers and powers and principalities, turns the whole thing on its head, sets this woman free. And that is what Yeshua does. You know, the two or three witnesses, another thing that's kind of misunderstood because on prayer circles, oh, we were in prayer circles, and if we're two or three are gathered, we know that Yeshua is here. And, but, you know, Baruch Hashem, if it speaks to you in that way, you know, God loves community. He is in community. But that's not what it means when Yeshua said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. He says, if you're going to execute it, if two or three witnesses are going are to have a judgment, it, heaven agrees with you. I agree with you. It's the exact same thing as those who bound on earth are bound. uh, What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose is loose. Heaven agrees with you. And two or three witnesses, I'm with you. That's precisely what it means. So it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing, amazing, just system that God puts together. It's not that anybody, you know, if you sin, that, that anybody can start throwing stones at you. It's not like any person is supposed to. If we go through this Torah portion, you see this amazing, amazing system of, of justice that he puts together, which was unparalleled in the entire world. 
unparalleled. There has to be judges at the gates of every city. You are not allowed to take bribes because a bribe can affect your judgment. Even it says, you know, it says that the children of Israel, it says you're going you're gonna to want a king one day, and that's okay. So when you, when you do raise up a king from amongst your brothers, he's got to write his own Torah. Every king had to write his own Torah. It's kind of like if, the pre- if we made the president write their own constitution or something like that. But the Torah is a righteous book. It's the holy book. So if the king who's governing the whole thing had to write a Torah scroll, and have it be like presented to the priest, it says, and the priest has to approve it. Yep, you got every word right. Nope, you missed a word. Start all over again. I mean, this is a system of justice and righteousness that he put together. It is an amazing, amazing thing. Because God is a God of justice. And two or three witnesses have to establish a matter. How many of us judge without witnesses? I do. I do. And the the, the interesting thing about the witnesses according to Torah, that has to be physical witnesses. It can't just be like how you feel. It can't just be perception. And the interesting thing is we're in a, a spiritual community, so how we perceive holds weight. But when it comes to executing judgment, it's not about how we feel. Because we know how we feel. You can get two or three people that agree with you, but you'll get ten others that don't. So that doesn't hold weight in court. When it comes to spiritual things, you can pray and seek and things like that, and two or three witnesses that matters. You know, the more it matters, especially, you know, if you're, if you're governing like a congregation or whatever, whatever it is, wherever you are, and whatever authority Adonai gave you, the two or three, how, you, how you're perceiving the spirit is, is wonderful, is good. But when it comes to judgment and executing judgment and saying sin and, you know, and, and punishment, witnesses, eyes, it's got to be fact-based, not perception-based. It's got, because a, a just system just based on perception is not justice. That's not a just system. And how many of us just judge based on... Not all the time. Me. All the time. Without all the facts. Maybe I have one fact, I think. But maybe not the whole picture. But then I execute judgment and pronounce guilt. And it's against Torah to do that. It's against the righteous, just system that Adam and I put together. It says that judges need to be at the gates of every city. And it's an amazing thing. It's, it, if, if, if the courts in the cities, if it's too great a, a case, they can't figure it out for whatever reason, then they come to the temple and the priest, they delegate, it says has to come to the priest. That is the initiation of what is called the Sanhedrin. We know from the New Testament, the Sanhedrin, it's the, it's the, it's the Supreme Court. It's Israel's Supreme Court. And we see it um, initiated, initiated in this Torah portion. So they have to bring it. If they don't know, they got to bring it. They got to bring it to the higher court, right? Because there's there's such an amazing system of justice. So there has to be judges at every gate. Father, help us to put the judge, the one righteous judge, at our gates. What are our gates? Our eyes are our gates. A gate is anything that comes in the city or goes out. 
of the city. So, Father, help us to put judges. We need judges at the gates. We need a judge at our eyes. We need a judge at our ears. We need a judge at our mouth of what comes into our mouth. But more importantly, as Yeshua said, what comes out of our mouth. Let it hit the judge before it goes out. Let what comes in hit the judge before it goes in. And wherever the heck that gate is between our thoughts and our everything else, wherever that is in our being that you created, Father, put the righteous judge there. Help us out tonight to judge righteously. Help us out tonight to see righteously. Help us out tonight to, to, oh my gosh, we are such a mixture of like the divine nature. Like Peter said, you are partakers of the divine nature. I mean, who can say amen to that? We are partakers of the divine nature. Yeshua is the fulfillment of what it was written in the beginning when he said that I'm going to create man in my image. And then Yeshua comes along and he is, it says, the image. He is the image of the invisible God. And then it says later, it says that we are, we are, we are grow into the image of Yeshua. And Paul said, uh, Peter says we are partakers of the divine nature. So we have divinity within us because the one who was, who is to come, and is, and was, the word that was, is, is to come, the word that became flesh lives within us. The one true divine son of God makes his home within you. Yet we have our upbringings, yet we have our experiences, yet we have our genetics, yet we have our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents and our great-great-grandparents who taught and taught and taught. And there's so much perception and there's so much things, so we wrestle within us. And we wrestle, okay, what is Adonai saying? What's the divine judgment and what's just coming from our perceptions? Father, help me to not judge based on perceptions because I have many. I have many. I have many. I've been hurt so many times, but when I take a step back, it's like it's based on, it's just based on like my, my, my makeup, my pathology. And we don't want to judge based on pathology. No, so Father, help us to put righteous judges at our gates. Righteous judges at our gates. Thank you, Adonai, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. Help us out tonight to use the word. We all came here in Messianic Judaism, so we love the word of God, the Torah, which has been sort of put out, you know, on the shelf, at pri- primarily in the church world, is something that's just completely done away with. He didn't do away with the laws. He, he took the punishments of the laws upon himself. So we are free Because who the sun sets free, Dag Nabbit is free. That's modern talk for is free indeed. Who the sun sets free, Dag Nabbit. Frickin' A is free. Frickin' free. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you that you are so righteous. And you take the words that condemn and you turn it on its head and you set us free with it. Thank you, Father, for setting us free. 
May we be conduits of, of you, the free one, the one who sets us free to set people free. Thank you, Adonai. Thank you, Adonai. There's another amazing thing in this Torah portion. It's, it's one of these things, it's, it's a it's crazy thing because the whole, the whole Torah speaks of Yeshua. He's in every word. Has anybody here not seen the picture of the Aleph Tav? You know, and we say like in the, in the liturgy, you know, Baruch Atah, yada, yada, yada. Eloheinu Melechah, yada, yada, yada. And he brings forth the Torah, the Torah, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And it was Aleph Tav, his Torah. What the heck is that? The Aleph Tav is the Hebrew word et. It's it's um it's 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 the word the Hebrew the Hebrew letter Aleph, the Hebrew letter Tav. It spells the the Hebrew word et. It has no meaning in English, only in Hebrew, and it, it can't even be translated. In the beginning was the word, it, and it says uh, in the beginning the Lord God created heaven and earth. There, you don't see, it, but one of the words, the two of the words, is et Aleph Tav, which means that, and he is the Aleph Tav because it says in Revelation he's the Alpha and Omega. And the Aleph and the Tav is the first and the last letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Alpha and Omega is the first and last in the Greek. So if he's the Alpha and the Omega and you bring it back to the original, he's the Aleph and the Tav, the first and the last. And if you look in this book right here, this Torah, and you highlight where you see Aleph Tav, I'll just tell you it's mind-blowing. Because he's in every place, in every person that needs grace. Every place that he needs to be, he is there. And that's why it says all things were created in him and through him. Because he's right there in the Hebrew in that first verse, Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1. He is everywhere. So, you know, if you're looking at the Torah and you're like, I just don't get this book. Put the judge at your eyes. Because the Torah, it, it, may be, it may have a fixed length, right? If you open this thing, you open the whole thing. It's not infinite. It's got a start and it's got an end. But the word is infinite. How is it infinite? It is infinitely deep. Infinitely deep. So if you read this thing, you're like, huh? I don't get this. Look deeper. Look deeper. Seek Yeshua in it. Seek how it's speaking to you personally. There's levels and levels and levels and levels and levels in the Torah. So one of the things that we read this week is about the city of refuge. Everybody know who the, what the city of refuge is? It's, an, it's a, another weird thing in God's divine just system. He got the city of refuge where if somebody commits manslaughter or somebody commits murder, but they don't, they don't really know yet if it was murder or if it was an accident. The weird thing is, it says the avenger the one who's seeking the retribution has a legal right to bring judgment on the one who, who killed somebody. So the avenger, if the avenger kills the person, he's innocent. Like, huh? What do you mean? God is approving of revenge killings? Well, that's what it says. It says that if, if the person, like, if, so you, if, you know, if somebody kills somebody and the person seeking the revenge kills the killer, he's innocent. So the person has to flee. He has to get out of Dodge and go to this place called the City of Refuge. And we think City of Refuge and we think like, oh, that's a great place. Refuge. The Lord is my refuge. But it's not. It's exile. It's galut. It's called, the Hebrew word is galut. It's exile. You're not allowed back into the kingdom. And if you leave, even if you're pronounced innocent that it was just manslaughter... Until the high priest dies, the high priest who's functioning at the time, until the high priest dies, it says, if you leave, the murderer leaves the city of refuge, the avenger can kill him and be innocent. 
Huh? Huh? You know how Yeshua said, verily, verily? I go, huh? Huh? Like, what does that mean? So look deeper. I don't know what it means, but look deeper. Look deeper, look deeper, because Yeshua is in all of it. If we are sin, if somebody sins, they go into this place, they have to go into exile. People that don't yet know the Lord, they're in sin. They have to go into this place of exile. The avenger is the enemy, Hasatan. He has a legal right because of your sin to kill you. But God, in his mercy, keeps you protected. He keeps you safe. But what is it that allows you to be set free from this exile? It says it's, it's once the high priest dies, you're set free. Who is our high priest? Yeshua. So his death sets us free. And the enemy, the avenger, had no longer has a legal right. No longer has that legal right. He twists everything. His death sets us free. There's a a spirit of death coming after us. So he dies and sets us free. Yeshua beats death at death's own game. So Yeshua is the high priest that dies. And then people that are in exile, in Galut, in exile, can come out and be free. And the avenger has no more right to that person's blood. Do you see that? How many people do we keep in exile because of false judgment? Even in our hearts, how many people do we keep in our hearts, locked up in a prison in our hearts when actually the person is innocent, but something happened, but we don't see the full picture. And we want to be coming like the avenger of blood. How many people do we banish, banish into exile because of our judgment, which is not clear? So we set them free. You know how they get set free? Through death. So we need to die daily. And when we die daily, the ones who we've banished into exile can come out of exile and be set free. And by doing so, we're set free because it's a heavy burden keeping people in exile because they're exiles in our heart, actually, because our heart is where the kingdom is. So in our kingdom, in our heart, we have cities of exile where people go and we keep them locked up to set them free. We need to die. We need to die daily. So this is the month of Elul, the sixth month on the Jewish calendar. This is the time to set the prisoners free. The prisoners who we kept in exile in our hearts. It's the time before the sounding of the shofar in a few weeks to set them free. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thank you, Lord.